0: student camp. How many of you went to youth camp when you were younger? Can I see your hands? That's a pretty good turnout. Was it worth it? It was. Was it life-changing? It was. I had a run of summer camps in my uh, last two years of high school, and then I basically sort of helped take over running the camp for a number of years. Seven years at Miracle Camp in Lawton, Michigan. Now, I remember one particular year, I think it was like the first... uh, Year or two that I was, was in it, maybe it was the year I was starting to help lead it as a young adult when I was in college. But uh, we had 100 kids uh, that went up to a lake in Michigan, and God met us there in some powerful ways and tra- changed not only the trajectory of many youth and the church that we were a part of, But I believe it changed the trajectory of many lives around the world because some of those students are now missionaries and pastors and vibrant marketplace workers for the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus touched them at a student camp. Will you do me a favor? Pray for student camp this week. Pray next week when they leave here on a Sunday morning. And even though it's a few days, when you isolate a group of individuals, and you ask God to meet in the presence of those individuals, he is faithful, and he can change lives, and he can not only change lives and save young people, but he can also change the trajectory of what they're going to be doing with their life. So pray for student camp next week. One of those camps that we were at, I'm not quite sure which one it was, but there there was another group of students that came from another church. So we had like a hundred in our church. It was called Lakeview Church. So uh, uh, the Lakeview Youth Ministry, we took a hundred, and maybe there were 20, 30 from another uh, church that joined us. And there was one adult leader that was in the other church's group by the name of Rocky. Now, when you got the name Rocky, you got to be pretty cool, right? He was an older guy, and but he lived the part. And we would be out during all kinds of activities during the day, and you could see him worshiping uh, when he was in service. And he had this phrase. And the phrase that he would say over and again is, What a praise! That's a real praise! We're like, well, that's pretty cool. What a praise! That's a real praise, right? Except that when we... We're playing volleyball, and we lost. <laughs> he said the same thing. He said, what a praise. That's a real praise. We're like, yeah, right. Right, right? And, and, then, and then it was time to, like, um, clean up the mess hall, right? Because you ate, and we had to do our dishes afterwards, or clear the tables. And we're like, oh, I want to go. No, hey, man, we get to clean the tables. What a praise. That's a real praise. And then... You know, you get up in the morning and it's hard to get kids out of bed. Some of you student, uh, young adult leaders know this. Like, hey, it's time to go. He says, oh man, I didn't get any sleep last night. And it's like, hey, we got to get up in the morning. What a praise. That's a real praise. He carried this through the whole week. And different times we ask him, why do you say that? We got to the end of student camp. We're sitting around the bonfire type of idea in an afterglow environment. He shared a bit of his story about how God had changed his life. And then he said, you know, some of you want to know why I've been saying all week long, no matter what happens, what a praise, what a real play praise. He says, because Psalm 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And we're like, oh, we get it. I will bless the Lord at all times, whether I win the volleyball game or lose the volleyball game, whether I get to eat and just head out of the dining commons or I have to stay behind and clean up the mess, whether I get to hang out at night and stay up late or have to roll out of bed early in the morning. What a praise. That's a real praise. Psalm 34 was forever changed for me as a young man because of Rocky. This morning, what I would like to do for you is forever changed. Psalm 34. Because that's the psalm we're going to be looking at today as we look at another part of the playlist of the Hebrew scriptures that the Hebrews of old would sing and they would pray and they would articulate to one another. Will you read this with me from Psalm 34? I will bless. Oh, what a praise! It's a real praise! Come on! Am I going to have to have you stand? All right, I'm having you stand. You guys, yeah, all right. You're settling in. Carrie's going to talk. How's it going to go? I'm going to warm up you vocally. You ever know what the hallelujah shout is? Hallelujah, same word in all language. It means praise the Lord kind of thing. You're going to repeat after me. You're ready, and you're going to say it louder each time. Ready? Hallelujah! 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 hallelujah. hallelujah. Now my choir is warmed up. This is good. All right. So I want us to say it strong. I want us to say it boldly. Here we go. Ready? I will. Bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make it close to the Lord. The humble will hear it in the joy. magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. That's great. Turn to someone before your seat and say, that's a praise. That's a real praise. What a praise. That's a real praise. All right, good. See? All right, Joe, I think we're getting them good. We're ready to go for camp. All right. I want you to know, though, with Psalm 34, it's not the hype today. There's a depth and a breadth of understanding in this psalm that should call you out. Here's the situation with this psalm. In fact, some of you probably have it at the top of, of the psalm that's listed there. There's a mention of the background of where this psalm comes from. It says of David when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away and he left. Now, we don't always get background to why a psalm was written. So, King David wrote this psalm after he had been delivered. ...from the hands of a king. And I want to read for you that story. It translates the king's name of Abimelech in Psalm 34. But if you'll turn with me to 1 Samuel 21... ...you will find that it's actually Achish, king of Gath. It says this in 1 Samuel 21, verse 10. That day David fled from Saul and went to Achish of Gath. Now, Saul was king, but he was not being a very good king... David was in Saul's court, and people started to like David, all right? And so Saul noticed this shift of loyalty and affinity towards David, and he was bothered by what was happening with David. And so he got his dander up and started coming after David. But the servants of Achish said to him, "'Isn't this David, the king of the land? "'Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances?' Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. All right, this was a song. You talk about politics of the day, that was politics of the day. It's like, oh, that president. Well, there's the new president that can come up. Maybe he can emerge. Yeah, Saul slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. He's a mightier, mightier warrior. And so Saul, in his jealousy, sort of put a bounty on David. And David was fleeing, and he was running. In the land of Judah, there's not a lot of places you can go to. And so he chose to go to the Philistines or Philista. All right. It's in the same area that modern day, um, some of the modern day uh, Palestinians are. All right. Along the, uh, uh, the um, Mediterranean Sea there, south part of Israel. Uh, there's no relation between the Philistines and the Palestinians. All right. Uh, but that's the area that he fled to. And he thought he would just sort of move in amongst the ranks of the Philistines. All right. So there we pick it up. Verse 10 of verse 12. David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. So he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the door of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. I thought, what is this story? I mean, there's some weird stories in the Old Testament, all right? This is King David, who we revere, right? Had a heart after God. Well, he got infiltrated with the Philistines, and some of them said, hey, we know you. You're that warrior, that that famous person from Judah, right? From Israel. Now, remember, when David was young, he killed what? The giant, and the giant was a Philistine, all right? So also, later, David wanted to marry Saul's daughter. And he said, you can't marry my daughter unless you go and kill a 100 Philistines. So there's history here. So when he was discovered amidst the ranks, it was like, whoa. uh, No, no, it's not me. And King Achish is like, what's this deal? And so what David decided to do was to act like a madman. So he started clawing on the gates. They brought him... to the king, king, and they started just drooling down his beard, acting weird and strange. Any of you ever done that, you know? Acting, right? <laughs> acting, right? And so the king is like bewildered. Why in the world would you be bothered to bring this man to me? Verse 14, Akish said to his servants, Look at the man. He is insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? And with that, he sent him away. So here David was discovered. He was brought before the king. He acted like a madman. The king was like, get out of here. I don't need more madmen. But David was that mighty warrior from their arch enemy, the Israelites. God saved David in the midst of that and so it's once he gets a little distance from this deliverance that God brought him into from such a dire situation where it was done man this is the guy that killed we remember who he was that he wrote this song, and this psalm if we had time, we could tear it apart. There's a lot of beauty in it. It has 22 um, verses to it, uh, stanzas to it, and that represents the Hebrew alphabet. And, and there, there's a lot that goes on inside of these psalms sometimes. that I'm not going to park and spend time with you on. But this is a really beautiful psalm, and it does a comparison back and forth in some different places. But when he says, I will bless the Lord at all times, I want us to park and talk about what he is doing. Because what he, he is doing is he is telling us how to live life on purpose and in pursuit of God. And David was one who pursued God at so many different turns. He had his faults, his up and downs. And we'll look at one of those psalms in the coming weeks. But David had a heart for God. He's known today as someone who had a heart for God. Do you have a heart for God? Or what do you have a heart for? The next career position? A relationship? a financial level. If you were to look at your life this week, what do you have a heart for? Do you have a heart to know God? Well, David's known today as a man after God's own heart. And so as he pursued God, even amidst of his enemies, he was one who practiced certain things, and these things are critical for us as we pursue having a heart that hungers for God as the priority in our life. Even if you're new this morning, and you've not been in church a while or God's sort of out there distant to you, it's like, yeah, I'm I'm doing my thing. I'm checking it off the list. I want you to know this morning there is nothing greater you can do in life than make a decision to pursue God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength and come to a place to know him and to love him and to worship him and to serve him. Because you were created in the image of God to be in relationship with God. And if you're not in relationship with God, I'm not talking about knowledge about God. I'm talking about truly knowing him like you would know like your best friend or a spouse. You were made to know God. And that's why some of the depth of these psalms is there because it's this hunger. It's the highs and the lows, but it's the hunger to know God. And I always just encourage if you've never made a decision to pursue God, today's a good day to start. Because He will be faithful, and He will reveal Himself to you. He won't make every rough road flat, or level every mountain peak you're trying to climb, but He will give you meaning and purpose and fulfillment in the midst of it, because you were made in the image of God to be in relationship with God, Period. So what he does with this psalm is he positions some things that I just want us to briefly look at if we're having a heart and a hunger and a priority to know God. And the first is praise. The first is praise, and I'm just going to walk through what we just declared out loud. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. Praise, if you are going to praise God, it's a volitional choice. You have to choose to praise God. You're not going to get up in the morning and just naturally be inclined to do it. You're going to get up in the morning and say, I need to go to the restroom. You need to choose to worship God. It's a voluntary act. And so that's why we park here today on this. What a praise! What's a real praise! That was Rocky choosing by his will to praise God in the midst of of his day the second thing it's not only voluntary praise but it's constant praise i will bless the lord at all times his praise shall continually be there Now, it doesn't mean you need to walk out of here today and go, what a praise. That's a real praise. Hey, what a praise. It's a real praise. What a praise. You know, it's it's the mindset. It's the focus of where your heart's at. And things happen to us during the course of the day that cause us the sort of torpedo to go go underwater. And that's a really good time to acknowledge this is another good time to praise God and to find something to praise God. You know, I, every now and then I'll catch myself with family members. They get tired of me probably because I have to practice it on myself. But there's complaining going on. You ever have complaining in your household? And sometimes the complaining in your household, it's a pretty lengthy list. And it's a pretty dire list. And it's just stacking up and stacking up. But I'll just pause and go, well, at least we can thank God that our heart's beating today. You know, Dad. Well, I do. That's just one of those continually praise the Lord things. Did you cause your heart to beat? Did you plug it in and charge it up this morning? Some of you did, but you know, didn't. <laughs> no, your heart beats automatically, and God's doing that in your life right now. So, what a praise. That's a real place. My heart's beating today, right? And we have to continually make the voluntary choice to praise god in the midst of our situations the next it has to be verbal i will bless the lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mind no on my mouth and if his praise was on our mouth more than criticism and complaint we would probably have less time to criticize and complain we have to articulate praise. I don't know if you've met some people. I'm really not the best at it. But I've met some genuine saints. Some of you are here in this room. that You're great with this. You are acknowledging the praise of God. And some people may look at you and go, whatever. I say thank you for the mindset that you have. Because you've probably caught me at a time where you've acknowledged the praise of God and a belief. Or you have faith in something. And my heart gets stroked up and say, you know... I walk away and I say, that person's right. That person's right. And they may have been having a crappy day. But they're choosing volitionally to praise God in the midst of it. And I'm not saying that we're not genuine and transparent and we don't share our challenges and our difficulties. I'm not saying that. But there's something about the mindset, volitionally, that we're going there. That we're constantly going there and we're articulating it with our mouth. So voluntary, constant, verbal praise. What's the next one you think? It says it needs to be boastful. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. Now, we are naturally prideful, and we like to boast. Any of you been boasting this week? And we do it in subtle ways. It's like, oh, well, I sort of accomplished this. I, it's like, You know, I got that doctorate of ministry there a little while ago. Pretty good. I got my transcript. I got my transcript this week. And I'm like, it's all right there. How about that stamp? That's great. I take rightful pride in joining that as God lay it and enabled me to get my doctor ministry a few weeks ago. But I went to my doctor. Did any of you go to my doctor? I went to my doctor. That bee sting I talked about last week, it has not been healing inside my lip. I don't go to the doctor. Is the stinger still in there? Said, no, the stinger's not in there. And then he looks at me and goes, I hear you're a doctor now. I'm like, what? You're the doctor. Somebody must have gone to my doctor and told him that. I said, I only had one weekend where you could say that, and that's past. (laughs) We like to boast in subtle ways. Or I accomplish this. I drive this. We are naturally boastful about ourselves. But this scripture, David is saying, I need to boast about the Lord. And it takes humility to boast about the Lord. In fact, that's the next statement, I think, sort of ties into it. it, it the humble will hear it and rejoice. The, the person who is humble can rightfully boast in the Lord. But if you are prideful, you're going to choose to boast in yourself. And so you can sort of articulate or discern, is this person got humility running in because they boast in the Lord? It's not, it's not me, right? God has enabled me. He's made my heart breathe, you know, those kinds of things. So... If you're going to praise the Lord because you want to pursue God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you want to know God in an intimate way, there needs to be voluntary, constant, verbal praise, boastful praise, but your praise will end up being contagious praise. Because the humble will hear it and they'll rejoice. In other words, you're calling them in. You know what we started to do at that camp after a while? All the kids were saying, what a praise, that's a real praise. We just got slaughtered on the softball field. What a praise. That's a real praise. It really changed some of the demeanor of that camp, I remember, because Rocky was choosing to praise the Lord. Your praise will be contagious to other people. And then the last thing it says here in verse three is, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Praise needs to be corporate. you chose today to come to be a part of corporate praise. You could have stayed home, you could have watched some church online, you could have slept in, you could have you chose to come because there's something that resonates within you that it's good to come together and praise and worship the Lord. And our team led us well with that this morning. As we're looking at the word right now, we're worshiping as God speaks to us from his word. We need to be praising god together oh magnify the lord with me and let us exalt his name together so right out of the box praise critical if you want to have a heart that knows god and here's david having been freed from this abysmal situation with king of kish and he's like i'm just gonna bless the lord i can't believe what he did god is so good I want you to look at this phrase here, though, a little bit. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. There's a different words for praise in the Hebrew scripture. But I, um, I want to focus uh, on one particular word. And it's the word yada. Any of you Seinfeld uh, buffs around here? I know it's sort of an aging kind of thing. Seinfeld? Oh, I see. Yeah, it's the older crowd. It's just amazing how years are passing. Seinfeld used to be like the big deal, right? Well, in Seinfeld, there's a few episodes, I forget, I probably is the late uh, 90s or whatever, that they sort of uh, coined this colloquialism or whatever going yada, yada, yada. You ever heard that? Yada, yada, yada. Oh, yeah, yada, yada, yada. And yada, yada, yada is like, yeah, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. They were going on and on. It was boring talk, you know, yada, 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 right? Do any of you use yada, yada, yada in here? Anyway, there's a tendency for us just to fall into that mode of yada, yada, yada. Well, Psalm 43, 4 says this Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the lyre, O God. My God. If you want to bless the Lord at all times, it's volitional, it's active, it's continuous. You're going to go to, to, to the altar, you're going to praise the Lord, whether with a lyre, with your mouth, or whatever it may be. You are actively doing this. Well, the word in this particular psalm here was the word Yada. And Yada comes from Yad. And yod means hand, and it means like a strong hand or extended hand. Or I was talking with Mike Bartel because he's a big Hebrew language kind of person right before service, and uh, and the rabbis would never touch the word of God, so they would point at it with a yod, that kind of thing. So it has to do with the hand, all right. And then it came to know as the hand was extended, all right. And then it became to know as the hand was extended to some degree in worship, all right. So the hand extended worship. And then yada has to do with knowing, to know someone, all right? So in Genesis, you know, God knew Abraham and knew, the, the, the yada is coming in there. And then you extend it on out to yada. And yada ends up being this word in certain places of scripture that's represented for praise. And so yada, yada, yada is not whatever yada 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 is praise god praise god praise god what a praise that's a real praise extending your hands out can i just see you extend your hands let me extend your hand you know there is nothing incredible about people that extend their hands for worship but some of you need to stretch a little bit when you're singing you're all bound up and when we sing and we worship What's yada, yada, yada? Let's get the hand out there, extending in praise, knowing God and worshiping God in praise. All right, you can put them down. That's very good. That same miracle camp that I went to when I was younger, I remember one of the times that God touched me the most. It was when we had a new youth guy come. i actually been leading it that summer. A new youth guy came in. I was just doing a practicum during college ministries. His name's Dwight Robertson. And when Dwight came, we were praying for God to bring a miracle upon our youth because our youth were broken and busted because of, of two morally defunct youth pastors that are really messed up. And, and it was a small group. We got a hundred there. Dwight came and we just asked God to meet us in this little chapel in Lawton, Michigan, it's right over the state line from Indiana. And I remember I went down to the altar to worship and praise God. We hadn't even got to the message yet. There was worship, and the youth pastor would sit behind a keyboard and just play worship songs. And at that time, back in those days, we didn't do a lot of worship kinds of songs in a spirit of worship. And I remember going down the altar and a couple others. We just felt we needed to get on our knees at the altar and praise God. And yada, yada, yada. We put our I put my hands up like a funnel and I'll do this sometimes today. Even it's it's not, you know, I don't know how to say this. It's like different times, different things for me. But sometimes I realize I'm not engaged with God. You ever get that way? Maybe you came in today. It was like, yeah, yada yada yada, whatever. I'll go through the song, one song, two song, three songs. Joe did the announcement. That's great. Turn and greet. Carrie. I wonder how long he goes today. And we're out of here and gonna go eat. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. And you sort of blow through a morning. Don't do that. Sometimes you got to catch yourself and realize you're just going through the motions. But let's do the real yada 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 i'm going to take my hands i'm going to extend my hands i'm going to tell god i want to know him and to make him known and i am going to praise and worship him and so i remember doing that at this camp and i was on my knees i raised my hands and i said god just fill me this is a funnel pour into me your love your encouragement your embrace because this is challenging, and God, this week for our kids, that we're here at this camp, would you pour it out? I remember one of the other seniors coming and kneeling in that very camp. We never got to the message that night at camp. God met us. And He met us. Because we were seeking Him. And we were seeking Him in the midst of praise i will bless the lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth yada 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 may you take whatever it is you don't have to raise your hands and worship maybe you're a quiet person there's a lot to be said about solitude and worship orthodoxy kind of churches that are more orthodox have more reverential f- Worship and rituals and routines. There's different ways of worshiping God. You worship God in spirit and truth. That's the only instruction Jesus gave. So just be truthful in your worship and make sure your spirit's connecting with his spirit. But you worship in such a way that you connect with knowing this great God. And God will lead you into streams. I really hadn't done a lot of this as a young kid but something broke and snapped in me when I stopped worrying about what others were thinking around me in a corporate environment of worship, and I instead took myself before the throne to worship the one true God that loves me. Don't ever in church or anywhere get caught up in what other people are thinking. And don't you dare judge somebody else in worship either. You don't know what's going on with them. And sometimes I don't want to lift my hands. I just want to kneel. I was in my bed uh, reading and, and uh, reflecting, reflecting on things last night, and I said, I got to roll out of bed. And I rolled out of bed on my knees and just knelt and prayed because that was the disposition I needed to have in worship, was to be on my knees. You do as God leads you, but sometimes you have to be volitional and take action because we don't normally go there in our spirit. This other verse, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. One of the things you're going to do in worship is you're going to magnify the Lord. And magnify means to to make him bigger. I like this definition of worship. Worship is the act of magnifying God, enlarging our vision of him and observing how he works now you're not making God bigger but how does something become bigger to you who can I pick on today I'm going to pick on Bud back there he's all the way in the corner Bud and Joanne are new around here sat by him some with the ball game the other night aren't you all glad that those of you who went to the ball game I didn't bring the video that I shot during 7th inning stretch <laughs> I had a good time but I'm sort of about this high up here. You can sort of see me, right? You know, I'm not a little guy. I'm 6'2", that kind of thing. But, you know, you're seeing me from a distance. Would you stand for me? You'll try. <laughs> You'll get up. Now, Bud, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk towards you. And hopefully I don't mess up the speakers here. What's happening as I'm getting closer to you? I'm getting larger, right? I'm getting larger to the point that I'm overwhelming to you, yeah. right? <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. You can be seated. In worship, you don't make God larger. You draw nearer to God. And when you draw nearer to God, God looms larger. So you got problems going on today? Where's God at? Oh, I don't know. I don't think he's hearing my prayers. or bouncing off the ceiling. Well, let's spend some time praying, focusing, praising. Let's draw near to God. We draw near to him. He draws near to us and he looms larger. Let us magnify the Lord together. That's what we do when we come together for corporate worship. It's important. I think it's important to be here every week if you can, because the week is such a dismal kind of experience sometimes with all the responsibilities and comings and going that you need to recalibrate you need to refocus you need to magnetize magnify who god is and to do it corporately and let's do it together and god looms great in our midst you know the youth camp that i've been mentioning here was at miracle camp God so radically worked in that youth ministry. It's really why I'm in ministry today, because I caught fire and I said, I have to do this. I have to see young people's lives change, people's lives change. We came back from that camp, a hundred strong of us. And uh, we had the old part of the church building. You know, there were newer church sanctuaries built. And the older part had a nice little chapel look to it. It had all been done up with games and everything. And we said, we're done with this. We want to worship God in this. We want to remake this a place of sanctuary. And we named, after Miracle Camp, we named the old sanctuary where we met for youth ministry, the Miracle Center. And we just kept seeing God continue to bless with kids come, people from the high school, star basketball players, other people come and meet with God. And it was funny as we invited our friends in youth ministry because they would come and it was a different kind of experience, right? They hadn't really been in these worship environments, and I remember one young man that we'd been praying for for a while, and he finally came and he left, and we said uh, we we're talking to him outside the glass doors on the sidewalk, and we said, "Well, what did you think?" <laughs> he goes, "I don't, I don't know, but I think, I think that God was in." I trust that's a sentiment when you leave here. Not that, oh, that was a good band, that was a nice little talk, it was good to see my friends, but that God was in there. He has given us this location, this place as a mission outpost to represent his presence. We worship his presence here, we take his presence with us if we're a believer in Christ, and we minister his presence on the mission field of our everyday world. We are a blessed people to magnify God, to be able to enjoy his presence. May we worship, worship an act of magnifying God, enlarging our vision and observing how he works. It goes on, a second aspect of Psalm 34, and we won't anchor, but just briefly on these, is pray. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces will never be ashamed. He sought the Lord in prayer. He asked the Lord of things. He asked the Lord that he would be delivered, and he was. He was delivered of all of his fears. Oh, my goodness, the Philistines are going to recognize me. They did. Oh, no, now what's going to happen? I'm done. And God Delivered Him from that situation. Those who look to Him are radiant people. As we worship Him and thank Him and pray and seek His face, God's face starts to come on our face. Shame goes away because of His forgiveness. And we're able to walk with a light and a free spirit. Pray. This poor man cried. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Sort of sounds weird, that word fear. But the fear word we're going to talk about in a second. The aspect of prayer leads us into an awesome awareness of who he is. And then I love verse 8. It says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Why doesn't it say, oh, no, or study? It says taste. Why? Because there's delight in knowing God. Just the joy of the relationship. Remember when you first fell in love? Well, you first fell in infatuation. There was just something about, oh, I'm, like to be with that person and your whole perspective on life changes your relationship with god is not just a knowledge thing head knowledge it's an experiential one where you can taste and delight in god and he delights in you as i often say sometimes god not only loves you do you know this he likes you Uh, We're supposed to love everybody, understand that. That's what God does. He loves me in spite of all my failures, and I'm a pathetic person, and look what happened to me this week, and, you know, what you talked about last week, I'm just a phony or something, right? (laughs) No. God, Jesus, His Spirit wants to hang out with you. He likes you. He delights in you. Do you delight in Him? So to know God in His heart, we praise, we pray, and we enjoy And here's the word revere. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For to those who fear him, there is no want. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. You rejoice, And you revere. There's a reverence that you come into in knowing God and who He is. To pursue the Lord God at all times, in all ways, praise, pray, enjoy, and revere. So I've now come to a part of my message where I have two roads to go down and I'm only going to go down one so you can get on with your day which one should I go down it's a dynamic thing for me sometimes I'm going to let you go down the one road this week which is to finish this psalm yourself I think that's what I'm going to do because that was one of my roads the other road I'm going to show you just a a video clip of an exhortation. Sometimes I need to have stuff put raw to me. And so there's different people I'll go and try to listen to. um, Whether I agree with them or not, sometimes I don't. But one of those individuals I'll listen to every now and then is John Piper. Some of you know who John Piper is? Pastor... Long-time established pastor, great teacher. He has two strong passions in his life, and that is that we all glorify God and that we're willing to reach the nations for Christ. Pastors up in Minnesota, Minneapolis area, Bethel. I'm going to let you listen to John Piper spew some passion for two and a half minutes. You may react to this in not a good way. He's sort of raw in this with an analogy he gives and gives, and it may cause you to step back. But I want to come back after it and it presents something that um, I just want to land with today. So I hope this video works. We didn't really test it, but are we good? Let's we'll see if it flies. It's not a video of him teaching. It's a video of his words. And again, whenever you step into the middle of somebody preaching, you've missed the benefit of everything that's been said before they spoke. But here's a a two-and-a-half-minute clip of John Piper, quite passionate about something. I don't know what you feel about the
1: prosperity gospel, the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, but I'll tell you what I feel about it. hatred. It is not the gospel. And it's being exported from this country to Africa and Asia. Selling a bill of goods to the poorest of the poor. Believe this message. Your pigs won't die. And your wife won't have miscarriages. And you have rings on your fingers and coats on your back. That's coming out of America. The people that ought to be giving our money and our time and our lives. Instead of selling them a bunch of crap called gospel. And here's the reason it is so horrible. When was the last time that any American, African, Asian ever said, Jesus is all satisfying because you drove a BMW? Never. They'll say, Jesus did you that? Yeah, well I'll take Jesus. That's idolatry, that's not the gospel. That's elevating gifts above giver. I'll tell you what makes Jesus look beautiful is when you smash your car and your little girl goes flying through the windshield and lands like dead on the street. And you say, through the deepest possible pain, God is enough. God is enough. He is good. He will take care of us. He will satisfy us. He will get us through this. He is our treasure, whom have I in heaven but you, and on earth there's nothing that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart and my little girl may fail, but you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That makes God look glorious. As God, not as giver of cars, or safety or health. Oh, how I pray that America would be purged of the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, and that the Christian church would be marked by suffering for Christ. God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in Him in the midst of loss, not prosperity.
0: That's a pretty hard word, isn't it? God desires to give generously to his people. And sometimes he does give. In ways that are material, sometimes not. The prosperity gospel, I don't know if that's something that you heard reference before and I'm not up here to make statements on that. As much as I am to just simply say this, let's be wise and let's be careful about why we worship God. Do we worship the gifts or do we worship the giver? I will bless the Lord at all times. As the worship team comes, we're going to come back into worship to close. I did not like his illustration part of it as I felt that's so insensitive that's harsh it's the reason I hesitated to share it with you this morning because I don't know what tragedy may have befallen you that's very weak or a tragedy even such as the one he mentioned that could have been a part of your life and you still carry it forward to today but his statement his statement that I want to draw our attention to is the statement, God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in Him. You cannot bless the Lord all the time if you're choosing to bless God based upon what you're getting in life. Whether that's material things, relationships, warm, fuzzy feelings. You will bless the Lord at all times when you know who God is. And your heart has become satisfied in him in him alone we do not know what this week holds for any one of us in this room but we do know the one who holds our week are you satisfied in god are you focused on the giver of all beautiful things even when he filters tragedy through his hands and allows it to work a good. Will you bless the Lord at all times? Will your praise be continually on your mouth? His mouth, your mouth. What a praise that's a real praise. I'm going to invite you to Worship. The ushers are going to come to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings and and, and your connect cards, that's great. But as we stand, we're going to worship by going back and singing a song we sung at the beginning. And I want you, with outstretched hands, yada, 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 praise God and bless Him for who He is and find your satisfaction in Him today. Maybe, You're not even supposed to sing words. Maybe you're not supposed to lift your hands, but maybe just stay in your seat. Maybe kneel in your seat. Maybe just stand and quietly pray and let God purify your heart and let go of any self-centered things that have kept you boasting about yourself rather than boasting about our God. We are called to be a corporate body that worship God and the beauty of His holiness. And we get a chance to do that as we leave this morning. So I invite you to glorify God as He is glorified in you because you are satisfied in Him no matter what is going on in your life this hour. Will you stand with me? Joe, team leaders, us. ushers come to receive the Lord's eyes and arms.
2: the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul.
0: Worship
2: His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship Your holy